All right, Jeff, I'm going to kick this off, but uh, if you got anything interesting you want to tell us, feel free to just... Well, that, well, you were going to lead this when I was going to do the intro. Yeah, is that right? Can you do that? Yeah. Is that too much yeah. to ask? No. Can you do the intro? No. Okay. All right. That's all. It's on you, man. All right. Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Welcome to the Fields Brothers Show podcast. This is Jeff Fields. I am here with my brother, Roger. We are coming to you from Central Kentucky where it is the dead of winter and quite cold outside. Had a lot of snow here recently oh, and may have some more yeah. snow coming up. And I might mention, Roger, that uh, we are here. Well, I, I like to bill, ourself, or bill myself as the pastor of reverse discipleship, helping folks uh, unlearn the things they learned in discipleship class. And uh, we are just, uh, what was the term you came up with a couple a week or two ago? You <laughs> told me about, I mean, I it was a good term that, about um, uh, that. Some that our role is of uh, anyway, we'll, we'll think about uh, it in the a, next yeah. next podcast. But we do um, podcasts are running in our family, evidently. So I want to give a quick plug for my oldest son Landry has a podcast out. I got something to say called, about that one. Okay, go ahead. Keys to the Commonwealth. Yeah. So it is is about real estate. Landry is a, in the has an insurance agency and property and casualty. So if any of you want to learn about the real estate market in Central Kentucky. We'll bring up the podcast of Keys to the Commonwealth. Right. So it's becoming a family trend here. Since what do you, got? you brought that up, okay. So Landry puts his post on my What's Happening in Nicholasville page, uh-huh. okay. And that is really a business-related post, what he's talking about. Yeah. It's really related to his insurance business and all that. And he didn't do it on a Monday, which Ooh, we have okay. Biz Monday. That's our rule, you know. Of course, that's a whole <laughs> There's a lot to say about that. But anyway, that's the rule. And so he put this thing Did you up. take it down? And so I took it down. I called him. I said, Landry, I said, listen, we're going to put aside the fact that you're interviewing another realtor, essentially my competition. <laughs> I'm going to let that go. But you can't, do, you've got to do it on a Monday. Goes, oh, that's right. I forgot. So he took it real well. I said, I'm just, you know. He'll so anyway. get you on there sometime. Yeah, so. right. So anyway, we, I put pull down. He'll put it back up on Monday, I'm sure. So anyway, we are glad to be here and time flies by when we're doing this. So we better get right to it. So what do you got? Well, you know. Let's see. How can I say this? I'm still, this happens to me on a regular basis, stunned by people that you think are really getting grace. And then they act, and then they just take some steps back and you think, have they not heard anything that we've been talking about? I mean, in particular, a few guys that, you know, we, we, we talk about this stuff and we've done this for several years now. And I'm just, and so, we had a lesson re- recently. Somebody said, you know, he brought up the Beatitudes. He said, you know, he read what Jesus said, you know, hunger and thirst and righteousness. And we need to be, you know, are we hungering and thirsting for righteousness? And I, I can't believe we're going over this ground again, yeah. you know. So, but here's what, here's what really hit me. Now, you know, we have mentioned this before. See if you agree with me. I think for a lot of people who've grown up in church, have been indoctrinated with a lot of Christian religious uh, obligations, They've taken their focus focus off of what Jesus has done for them. You know, it's all about their works, their performance, and all that. It's not enough for them to just talk about grace and what God has done for us, because they will absolutely um, what's it? Categorize it, or what's the word? Compartmentalize it. They'll have mm-hmm. a grace compartment, and then they'll have their law compartment. You have to pull down some cherished beliefs, and I see this. I've seen this so many times. Where, for instance. They brought this up, and I just had to say, listen, guys, I have zero interest in hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Now, that gets people's attention. When you go after something, you're thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because if you don't do that, 
then they end up saying, well, we're all really just kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, and that you get all that. Yeah. You get that all. So it's, if it's you just semantics. It's, it's just all semantics. semantics. And yeah. so unless you go after something, you have to you have to pull something down yeah. to build something up. I'm convinced. So here's, I have seven things I want to pull down. So on that, let me say real quick, right. on the hungry and thirsting righteousness, just uh, might help some listeners. Yeah. You know, other places, Jesus said, he who believes in me will never thirst. Right. So which is it? I well, mean, right. and so basically if you're saying you're well, thirsting, then you're saying you don't believe in Jesus because he says he who believes in me will gonna, never thirst. And never gonna, yeah, and I will touch on that. Okay. Okay. But number one, now this, this, these are all seven bombs for a lot of Christians. Number one, I am not, I have zero interest in all these things. Zero interest in drawing close to God. Zero. Mm-hmm. We are in Christ. That one statement in James talks about just talking to unbelievers who didn't draw close, close when yep. they put their faith in Jesus. But there's no place where a born-again believer in, in Jesus is ever taught he needs to just draw close to God. You're in Christ. 190 times it says this in the New Testament. So I have zero interest. I have zero interest in hungry and thirsty for righteousness because after the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are made righteous. It says that's the gospel. The book of Romans is primarily written to this very point, that we've been made righteous through what God has done for us in Christ, and we're never told after the cross to hunger yeah. and thirst for righteousness. And John's- and, and one more thing. And when Jesus said this, he hungers and thirsts for righteousness, he will be filled. Well, how do you get yeah, filled? Yeah. He said this before the cross. They later on got filled when they believed in Jesus as their Savior through his death, burial, and resurrection, what he had done, what he had accomplished for them. Go ahead. And, and the John 7 passage is so key in this, where yeah. the, the thirsting, and he says, you know, that he who believes in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And John specifically says he was speaking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been right. given. And so because he had not been what lifted up or glorified. Yeah. No, and he so, had not yet died for And so, you know, very clearly there. And I think that same commentary by, by John could be applied to other teachings yeah. of Jesus. It's just there. Yeah. It's, it's, plain as day yeah. and so yeah we we don't need to thirst be yeah we we did need to thirst before right. before I mean, uh, the new it, covenant before that because we didn't have the spirit within us but now we have the spirits that living waters flow within us so to say we need to thirst is basically to deny what jesus said there and, and it all comes down to and we made this point in the book so many times is it which side of the cross do you want to live on do you want to live before jesus died gave his life for us shed his blood on the cross was buried and resurrected. You want to live before that happened, or do you want to live on the benefits after that happened? Well, I want to live in the reality of that on this side of the cross after that happening, being able to to believe in what Jesus accomplished for me. We we have so much that we just go through our you know living the Christian life as though Jesus never did that. So anyway, and that's what happens when you're if you're if you're still hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I would say put your faith in Jesus. He will take mm-hmm. care of that, and you will get filled. All right, number three. Zero interest in asking for forgiveness. And we've talked about many times that before the cross, you had to forgive to be forgiven. After the cross, every single time, the Bible says you have been forgiven in Christ. Therefore, you ought to forgive other people, but you're already forgiven. That's a done deal. So I'm not interested in asking God any more for forgiveness. I'm not asking him for something he's already done. I'm just going to believe it and take it by faith. Mm-hmm. All right. This is very similar to a list that I've thought of in, in the past, but I but I, I count in my mind I couched it. I quit doing this. Yeah. this, this. I, mean, I quit. I, trying you to might get be able to add to my I quit list. Trying to do this. This is my top so seven. Instead of saying I quit, you're saying yeah. I have zero interest. Zero interest. Thing, so yeah, um, and that zero in denying myself. Yeah. You know, before the cross, you did have to deny yourself for one for two reasons. One, you weren't born again yet. You weren't redeemed yet by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus, and 
um, you had to, if you're going to lit- follow Jesus, then you had to literally follow him around. You had to deny yourself. You had to leave a lot of stuff behind to, to follow him physically around, um, um, you know, Capernaum, Capernaum or wherever he was going at the time, you know. So, um, but today it says twice in the New Testament, we put on the new self. Now, if I put on the new self, am I supposed to deny the new self I've put on? No. Yeah. You acknowledge the new self. I, I really do think, and I may have mentioned this fairly recently too, but I find myself, up until recently, I would turn, I would use self as, as like the opposite of the spirit of grace. You know, that, that Galatians 3 is, you know, you don't want to live, you know, you don't, you, want, you don't want to depend on self, you want to depend on the Holy Spirit. And um, I think it's much better to use the flesh to, in that place so you don't want to depend on the flesh, which is not right. who you are. Right. It's with you. And so, yeah, when, when we talk about denying ourselves or not just depending on the flesh or, excuse me, depending on ourselves, it does really muddy the water and we lose sight of, of who Christ has made us within. You know, that, that book, Andrew Farley's latest book with um, um, Tim Chalice, you know, it's called The Perfect You. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, yeah, we can, I am made new. I yeah. am a new creation. When you start really start thinking of that, it changes how you live. And if you do so. something wrong, if you do sin, that's the denying the self. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Denying who you really yeah. are. All right. Number five, zero interest in confessing all my sins. I read a post the other day, which I thought was pretty good. So we've sinned millions of times. We've confessed thousands, thousands. of them. We hope that's not the way it works <laughs> like that. You know, There's a whole yeah. lot we didn't get to. A little bit of a so gap there. So if that's the way it works, that you got to – and somebody will say you got to confess all known sin or all willful sin. I'm thinking, yeah. what? Give me a definition today of a non-willful sin, number one. But – you know, so it's not about confessing all your sins. When it talks about that um, in First John one nine, which everybody uses, um, is talking about I believe, and we see this made slightly differently, but I believe it is talking about uh, to, to non-believers. Oh, I, I they agree. have to acknowledge no, that they've sinned, that they need a savior. But it's not a. There's no place where it says that's an ongoing thing for believers that have got to do all the time. I want to come back to that verse later. Go and, ahead and, and finish. Can you imagine? I mean, okay, all right. Number six, zero interest in following Christ. We're not told to do that except one place, the New Testament, where it does say we follow him in the sense that, you know, he got hassle for what he believes. We might get hassle for what we, what we believe or even persecuted. But we don't follow him around uh, Palestine like they did in the, in the Gospels. We're now in Christ. The, the language all changed. After the cross, before the cross, it was about following. After the cross, it was about being in Christ. And to drag that term into the New Covenant is a mistake. Zero interest in following Can Christ. Can I say something yeah. on that? Or you, no, go ahead. The, you, you're aware of the conversation that came up on Facebook the other day um, along this subject, and, um, and and I made a comment on it, and someone else shared, you know, it was all very polite, cordial conversation. Someone else shared uh, another article. They copied and, or linked to it to another article by a website called Got Questions, you yeah. know, biblical thing, and had the whole thing about, you know, what it means to truly follow right, Jesus. Right. So, But at the end of it, it, and everybody's it, got their own definition of that, which that ought yeah. to tell us something. But then at, at the end of it says, and, and this is a word-for-word quote, it's, quote, as if Jesus walked beside us in person, unquote. Yeah, as if. And that is just, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit never yeah. was given. It's like yeah. the new covenant never happened. Well, how can, we, how the, can we, you know, but that is such a common thing. So, no, the, the, I mean, just so we're clear for our listeners here, no, the, the life in Christ is not living as if Jesus walked beside us in person. Life in Christ is him living his life through us 
as a new creation. And so we're with him in this. We're not empty tubes. It's not a, right. it's not a, a far Eastern type of religion where we're totally passive and all that. But it's a new self that is him in us. Uh, the Galatians two twenty thing. So he's not beside. He's not next to us. So what's Galatians two twenty say, Jeff? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I live by the, in the in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So it's a new you. It, it's no longer me. It's Christ in me, and and really as me. I think that that kind of brings it home too. He he died on the cross as us. He rose as us. We died in Him. We rose in Him. We have been seated with him already. We are already in the heavenlies with him. We are joined with him, and that is that. But we're is, not tagging along behind him. That, no, to that, follow that, him, that is to, way that's different. Not the than, way it works. That is a totally new economy than just Jesus walking beside us and us trying to. But that's do that. by far the most common language you hear today yeah. in the church. I'm a Christ Go follower. Go ahead. Well, I'm not. Okay. Anyway, number seven. Lastly. Zero interest in discipleship. Zero. A lot of reasons for that, and we'll expand on this maybe in another podcast. But first of all, the word discipleship is not in the Bible. The word disciple is in the Bible primarily in the Gospels and then sometimes in Acts. It's not used ever used after that. Before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there, there were literal disciples, and they did have to deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow him if they were going to follow him around Palestine because that was a hard way to go. I mean, they had to leave family behind, jobs behind, all kinds of things behind to do that. And so Jesus let them know there was a cost to that. Um, in, in Acts, lo and behold, every believer is pretty much called a disciple. There's no such thing as you become a believer, then you got to work hard on some program or performance or Christian whatever to then work your way up to a disciple. There's no two-tiered system. And so the whole word disciple um, just really got redefined um, after the cross when the believers were just called disciples. So anyway, no interest, zero interest in discipleship. I would say these are seven sacred cows, golden cows, need to come down. That And they, for a lot of people, if they can see that, that will help them embrace grace because some of these things get in the way of really understanding and walking in grace. You agree or not? Yes, yes. I, I want to, and that uh, I've been thinking lately about, you know, why is it that some people see grace and some don't? So, a few thoughts on that. One is, and I heard someone else say this recently however much we know about grace, there is much, much more that we don't know. So, I think it's good for us to be reminded of that. that you know, it's almost like, you know, watching a four-year-old and a three-year-old together, and the four-year-old knows a little bit more than the three-year-old, but compared to us, the four-year-old still knows very little. <laughs> so, you know, the four-year-old doesn't need to get too, you know, feeling too good about how much he knows more than three-year-old. Yeah. So I think it's good for all of us to remember that no matter how much we've seen of grace, for one thing, we didn't see it by our own intelligence, um, but realize that we've still, there is much, much more that we have yet to see. And so... Um, but I heard, and so I, I'm come to the conclusion that it takes, it just takes time for a person to come around to see the finished work of the cross and to see the reality of the new covenant and the divide from the old covenant. I've been listening lately to some sermons by Clark Whitten. Remember that name? Yes. We quoted him in the book a time or two. Oh yeah. Wrote right. a great book. From Orlando, uh, right? Days, yes. In yeah. the Orlando area. Yeah, yeah. I I'd read his book, loved his book. I think we quoted him a time or two. Yeah. He's the one I first heard in, in his book where he talked about good news, not good advice. Um, I forgot about that, that. And so he's where I got that from, and he got it from somebody else. 
but I never listened to a sermon until the last week or so. I love the way he preaches. He's just very ordinary, very humble in, in his style of preaching. But he there's a sermon on YouTube, uh, so you can look up Clark uh, Witten, uh, W-H-I-T-T-E-N, in YouTube, and it's a sermon within the last several months on grace. I think it's called like extravagant grace or something to that effect. Um, but he tells this testimony because he wasn't always in this camp. He was preaching before he really saw New Covenant grace and the finished work. And so he, he said, "Someone, you know, people ask me, how did you come to see that? And so it was fascinating for me to hear him give his testimony on that. And it was over a period of years. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he told me, you know, he'd hear someone had conversation and he'd hear something and then you think, wow, that that's that's you know that's kind of eye opening, and so he'd start to incorporate that in what he was teaching, but he was still teaching the other stuff at the same time. And he talks about how, you know, it's amazing for him to hear people that listened to him years ago and when he was in another congregation talk about how great those years were. And now he looks thinking, he goes, I don't know how you got anything out of what I was teaching uh. mixed at the time, but one of the key verses. And then he talked about Dudley Hall. He said he was friends with Dudley Hall. He said Dudley Hall and him would have a conversation. They were both kind of growing at the same time in huh. this. And so he, he grew a little bit more than that. But then one of the key times in his life, he was reading 1 John chapter 1 on his own. He came to verse 9. And when he read that verse, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it just hit him all of a sudden. It's like the Spirit revealed to him, when you confess your sins, and put your faith in me, I've forgiven you all sin, you're totally righteous. And it's like he saw that that was a once total, complete, finished work all at one time. And that was a huge deal. And then he talks about later on when he began to see the divide, the rightly dividing the, the word of truth between the old covenant and the new covenant that makes, and that was kind of one of the last steps for me as well, and probably for you as well, when you it starts all these verses start making sense. You know, when you see the divide of the old covenant, the new covenant, all the scripture points to Jesus, all the scripture is relevant for us and is useful for edification. If we put it in the, in the right context and see the verses in the old Testament as being under the old covenant and seeing how they, you know, the, the relevance there. But one of the things that, that Clark Whitten, he's, he said, started one of his sermons and he said, he said the highest, you know, he, he really slows down. He says the the highest revelation that we can receive from God is to have all the different truths that we could know spiritually. So what is the pinnacle, the highest revelation that we can receive from God? He said the highest revelation we can receive from God is that God is our Father. Yeah. He said there is no higher revelation. And he said something I hadn't thought of. He said we're used to hearing the term God is my Father, it kind of adds a little extra to it if you turn that around and you say, well, my father is God. Yeah. You know, or my dad just happens to be yeah. the God of the universe. That that is the highest order of blessing to be a child of God. And I hear more and more teachers emphasizing that. I hear Almost every teacher I hear these days brings up the story of the prodigal son. And it's just we cannot emphasize that enough of what that does to a person to realize my father, my dad is God. Right. I mean, that, that has to do with who we are, you know, his DNA. That means his DNA is in my DNA. That means I am accepted by him. And, um, it's, I've really been blessed by listening to him talk about that. I do. I think, you know, this discussion came up with some, one of my, in one of my groups about, um, just what, what do you tell somebody that you get 
for being a Christian. That's kind of a weird way to say it, but let's just say it that way. You know, what do you what do you, what do you get out of this? I mean, so uh, you know, so you come to little. What do you get? Well, you get uh, you get to go to church every Sunday. The rest of your natural life is that what you get? You get to go to heaven, which I'm all for that. You know, but what do you really? I really think the ultimate, and I just don't know a better word. It might be a better word, but the ultimate benefit of being a believer is that the God of the universe becomes your dad, yeah. becomes your father. That's a shocking, I mean, that's a riveting concept. And when I, and which I occasionally do is just kind of read stuff about how big the cosmos is, the universe is, and just it's just unbelievably, you just can't even fathom a fraction of how big it is. And I think that our dad runs that. It, it's mind-boggling. And that, that story, one of the other, I forget now who read or heard mention this, but the, you know, the prodigal son, so he throws a, a party for the son that comes back. And then never thought about this is, well, do you think the father changed his position a few hours after the celebration? Did they just have a party for two or three yeah. hours? And it's right, okay, yeah, party's over, work. get it's, back to that's work. That's right, it's over <laughs> Pretty now. sure that's not the way it happened. Yeah. So, I mean, that is an ongoing, the idea that heaven, that God in heaven would throw a party for us, and yeah. so I mean, if someone's listening to us right now that just feels down, and I mean, you know, I mean, there's bound to be, you know, a lot of people, you know, all, we all feel down occasionally. You know, it's encouraging to know that that your father and that your dad just happens to be God, mm-hmm. and that he is throwing a party for you. So I mean, it's almost like a kid who's kind of a a pauper or maybe a slave or whatever, and he just kind of really drudging through life, and that's how he sees himself. To then find out somehow discover. Mm-hmm. That he's royalty, you know, that his dad is the king of that country. That's why and, that uh, in the movie The Shack, to me, one of the most touching times in the movie and lines in the book, too, I just remember more from the movie, where the main character shows up in the shack and the, the God character is there and kind of, you know, he has no idea that this is God the Father right now. And, uh, and the main character says, do I know you? And the God the Father character says, not very well, but we're going to work on that. Yeah, I mean that is. Yeah, I mean that that could be said about all of us. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Yeah. And that's why um, Phelan Daughtry's website or one of the one of the websites he has is the Father We Never Knew, and that's the name of his book, The yeah. Father We Never Knew. And so, I mean, that is we, we become so familiar with that. You know, yeah. we, those of us like you and me who have grown up hearing, "Yeah, God's yeah. your Father." Yeah, we've kind of almost there's a tendency to lose the significance of that. Yeah, we just we just read it as God. Well, He's Father. It just yeah. means God. And it's not what it means. It means something far deeper than that. And how in every single time I didn't I, I I didn't go back to check it, but I assume it's right. One of the places the sermon I heard or place I read that in Paul's letters, every single every single book that we know for sure that Paul wrote starts out God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you start looking for that. Yeah. The emphasis that God is is all through uh, the letters to the believers. There is a yeah. major major emphasis. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Great stuff. Got anything else? Are you ready to wrap this up? Oh, a few other. Let me see here. Um, this one place is kind of good. Sowing and reaping. You know, okay, we we all believe in sowing and reaping, right? That you yeah, know, whatever yeah. man sows, that we also reap. Right. We usually hear that thrown. It's kind of a threatening thing. You know, be careful, Roger. Well, think about this. It it applies to God too. God sows what He reaps. God has sown into our lives His life. Mm-hmm. He has sown the life of His Son into us, and so we can take comfort in that. Think, yes, we reap what we sow. God reaps what he has sowed. He's, he has sown the life of his son in us, and that's what he will reap. Yeah. So we can rest and relax and trust in him. There's a verse in, I don't think I'd ever really noticed this verse in First Thessalonians 4, 
nine. Talking about loving one another, you know, some of us, we can all tendency think, well, you know, I know I'm supposed to love one another, but I'm just, you know, I just don't have enough love. Uh, first lesson only is four nine, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Yeah, and so we can trust God to to awaken in us because it's already there, awaken in us the love for others, yeah. and so we can trust Him to do. And let me that, go so. back to the, the father thing just one more time, okay? Okay. Um, you know, it, it change when you, when you see it that way, it changes the way you view spiritual growth. Most of the believers I know see spiritual growth as this year, I got to work on patience. I need more patience. I got to work on that. It's always about our attributes, uh, what we've got to do better or do things that we're doing wrong, got to do less of. It's all about, you know, scaling back things we shouldn't be doing at all or scaling up things we should be doing rather than Christian growth just being, I want to grasp the fact, the reality that God is my father and live in that knowledge or that understanding and it's more about understanding would you agree the christian growth is more about understanding than it is about um, moderating your behavior oh for sure discovering you know, you know so understanding not, discovery, not in the intellectual sense good word, not yeah. the intellectual but seeing it's a matter or of experience of seeing and knowing in an in experiential way because and it's all just about what we already have that we we just the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to who we already are and what we already have. And it's, uh, let me end with this, the idea of contentment. That struck me a few days ago. You know, we think about, okay, we need to be content. We think of that termally in, in material ways. Yeah, you need to be content with where you are materially, financially, and all that way. But we need to be, and that's true, but we need to be content with where we are spiritually. I mean, that that doesn't go over very well oh, in a lot of places. You get beat up for but saying that. we can be content spiritually because we've already been made completely new, completely righteous, completely forgiven, and we can be content and not feel like we're short of somebody else and comparing ourselves to somebody else spiritually. That be content with you are a child of God, you have been made righteous, you have been made holy, you are sanctified. Enjoy the life of your Father. Trust in Him to live His life through you. All right, I got a, a quote for you. Um, I forgot where I heard this, but um, the road is paved with dead squirrels who failed to make a decision. And I shared with some guys the other day, you know, make a decision. Who, who's your faith in? Is your faith in you and what you believe, what you do, or what you how you perform? Or is your faith in what Jesus has done for you? Make a decision. But it takes time for people to come around to that, I'm learning. So 